And then about 10 minutes later, he said, you know, I said, I did feel conflict you asked you that. And the interesting thing was, as soon as he said it, and I said, yeah! At the same time, I was thinking, really? And I was thinking, like, you know, I think But then I started thinking, how good a model am I of that? And so, that's worry. You know, things worry. You can't have a conversation that doesn't worry. <laughs> and then he said, I just got prompted to ask you that. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> 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 you suddenly feel a bit like someone's set off, someone's gone like that, and an avalanche has started. So we just carried on and, and the rest of the evening and stuff. And, but it's, it's work. And then, through the discipleship group, the next day, Sunday evening, we're going through 1 Timothy. And we get to this part. And it just... So, I've had this conversation about, with one another, and then I get to this. The aim of our charge. Paul, mighty, apostle, church planter, extraordinaire. Everything you want to be as a Christian. He says, oh, here's what I'm aiming at. Love. Right? Someone, let, someone went, bang, let's set up another avalanche. Let's just set up another. And I'm, I'm, I'm with the guys, and they must have seen, I must have noticed. I'm literally... I'm stopped in my tracks by the thing. And I'm like, flip. I think God is speaking to me. And here's the thing that hit me more than anything. Paul says, the aim of our charge is love. See, I think that I'd understood that as a Christian, you do things in a loving way. Of course you do. You love one another. You love God. Of course you do. But Paul says a lot more that he's saying much more than that. He's saying much more than that. He's saying the aim of our charge is love. It's not just, oh yeah, well we do things in a loving way. Oh, that's, it's actually where we're going. It's actually what we're heading for. It's actually the goal. The goal is love. And all of you that are really bad at love, are going, yeah, come on. Hit me with, that was it, guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm driven. I'm a driven man. Some of you might have picked up that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from time to time I've mentioned it. <laughs> what do you do when you're driven? What do you do? I said, you're driven. Oh, I will help me. Give me some medicine or something. This creates undrivenness, you know. What do you do? I feel God in his mercy is starting to help me with this. I tell you something. It really is. We just need to be clear on what love is first. Because the end of our charge is love. It's a word that's not really found in any other literature at the time because it's a word that the Bible writers kind of seem like they created it. It's kind of like a special word to describe Christian love. And it doesn't so much, it doesn't so much mean warmth of affection. The word often used for that is phileo, which means kind of, oh man, I love being with you. You just, you know, you, you just rock my world. That's kind of phileo love. You know, it's, really just, it's that kind of Probably love, connection thing. Agape love is a totally different deal. It's just an utter determination to do that person good. I'm just totally committed to your good. What is just benevolence? It's just, I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to care for you. The aim of our charge is that. That's what Paul is saying. And I just want to look to that. What does that kind of life look like? What are the implications, the ramifications, the repercussions of that kind of life? How does that affect your relationship with God? How does it reflect 
your relationship with your closest circle, spouse, housemates, family? How does it affect your relationship with, with the church? How does it affect your relationship with those who don't know the Lord? You might want to call the world or how, those who don't know the Lord. How, what, what happens when you get this? What happens when you realize, flip, the whole thing is about love? What, what, what are the impacts and what are the effects of that? I want to look at it because as I've meditated on it and put it at the, brought it to the front of my mind for the past five weeks, I've found myself thinking and living and doing things really differently. Really differently. Not perfectly. But when I've fallen out of that and back into the old model, it's been so unattractive, even to me, and so like, man, I really, am, I really do not want to go back to that. That God in His mercy has brought me quickly to repentance. Not that I never loved anyone before, but you know when you, just, you feel like God just shows you something in a fresh way, and you just realise, oh man, this, this is, this is the whole deal. Really, the whole deal. We'll look at some scriptures in a minute just to show you this thing is the whole deal. What is, but what I want to look at, what does it maybe provoke you? What does it look like when love is your aim? I think it looks like contentment. He's enough for me. He loves me. He's enough for me. And things at the moment may not be going as I'd like, and then this thing's not quite coming through in the way I'd hoped and planned, but He's enough for me. Not that I no longer press on to, from, to, for breakthroughs and things, of course, but actually there's this contentment. He's enough for me. And sometimes, you know, people say to me, I've meet with pastors, tell me about your church, what are, the things you, what are the things that most concern you about the church? To be honest, the thing that most concerns me about Revelation Church is, is and I, I laugh when I talk and I joke with people about, about it, I say, everyone who's come to the church, they're, they're, it's like, it's, it's the Dick Whittington syndrome, isn't it? It's like, we've all come to, we've all come to find out our destiny. So London, isn't it? It's, it's the most trendy, aspirational part of London. And so it kind of attracts, you know, people like me, trendy. Aspirational, given people. Yeah, yeah, given people. Um, so it, it attracts the kind of people that want to go somewhere and want to do something and want to accomplish this and achieve that. And, and we can say, yeah, for God, yeah. But I want to come to and achieve that and very often show it is for God. But what can happen is that something can change and shift. And it's not really why we're doing it anymore. And we know all the verses and the things and the, we, we can pray and say, yeah, God's glory. But actually something's happened and actually we're just like everyone else. We're just here to make it. And it can even happen in ministry. I want to make it. I want to, yeah, a great church. Really, really buzzing church. Really this church, that church. And honestly, what is going on in my heart? Well, Jesus will make me feel really cool about myself. Mm. What's that? What is that? Mm. That's ugly. Mm. That's really ugly. So I think it looks like contentment. I think it looks like time for people. It looks like time for people, that when you're with someone, you're not looking beyond them to, yeah, but okay. People aren't commodities to kind of help you get to where you want to get to, or statistics, or numbers, or whatever it is, or scalps, or, but people are very, very precious. Because if I'm always going somewhere, and always trying to accomplish something, you know what people become, don't you? They become nuisance. Get on. What's 
disturbing people. It looks like time, time to listen, to really listen. It looks like resisting assimilation into the world. It looks like utterly resisting being assimilated into the way of the world. Which, what is the way of the world for the West? It's all about men. Yeah? It's individualism times a thousand. And, and my, you know, and even the thing that Fox talked about in dreams, totally with that, yeah, God gives dreams. But that can go funny. My dreams, my dreams, yeah? And it's actually, it's, it's, it's X Factor. It's not the kingdom. Mm. It's, you can make it sound like the kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. It's X Factor. I want to be the next best, whatever, for Jesus. I want to be the next best. That's just worldly. Mm. It's just really worldly. You learn to play the game, you learn to do the things that's expected of you, you know? But it looks like having time to actually listen and think. Another thing I say, why don't my church get always just seem so crazily like <coughs> manic? Just manic or worn out or ill. <laughs> manic or worn out or ill. Manic or worn out or ill. Manic. You've never said any stuff I'd love to meet you, but I know you're always busy. And I'm thinking, I don't know, who propagated that name? <laughs> <laughs> it's great sometimes. It's brilliant. Is it? Yeah. I'll try to squeeze you in, you know. But you think, well, I've never met anyone. I've never been doing anything. This is what I do, you know. But actually, can I just say to you, I don't want to end up in that, man. I don't, and I won't. I don't, and I won't. Okay? Because it's not what it's about. Mm. It is not what it's about. And you can run around like a madman for years and you look back at the last decade and you think, what happened there? What happened there? And then you can ask yourself, well, what state are my relationships in? Mm. Well, be careful. <coughs> it looks like giving myself to what's before me in the moment and not always thinking, what's next? This is it. This is great. It's just really good to be able to say, hey, this is it. Now go look at us. Really? We're here. And it's great. And be in the moment. Important. Otherwise, what happens is you always declare the next moment or the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. It's not like Christ. It's not like Jesus. I love the story where John the Baptist is with a couple of his disciples and Jesus walks by and John does the sort of thing he does. The Lamb God takes away the sin of the world, you know. And the other disciples are like, we need to go and spend some time with that guy. So, so they jump out of the water. I was supposed to be in the water because obviously John was in the water a lot, but they probably weren't. But they jump out of the water and go and they, and they start following Jesus. And Jesus is, just says, what do you want? It's <laughs> great. John 1 thinking, what do you want? And then it says they spent the day together. Jesus didn't get his plan around. What do you want? Mm, time. What do you see? <laughs> yeah? Let's put the day together. Something to think through there. I think it looks like pure emotives. It looks like pure emotives and why you do what you do. Doing what I'm doing to set out of love. 
much love all this thing done good, all this thing done well, it? it's not how it's going to reflect on me. But I think it looks like moving beyond just the how. How am I going to do this? To why? Yeah? If we can get beyond the how, well, how can be such a distraction? How am I, I've got these problems in front of me and this and that pressure and this person saying that. How am I going to fix it? If you spend your whole life in the how, you'll forget why. You'll forget why. Mm. You need to actually shelve the how so you can get straight again on the why. Once you've got the why, then the how will be much straighter. You'll be able to figure that out. Much more. It will shape the how. Okay, do it like this. Why? Because that's what I'm going for. Love. Love for him. Love for him who loved me and gave himself up for me. Love for those whom he has entrusted to me. Love for those whom he has joined me to. Love for those whom he has sent me out to reach. That will affect a whole lot of other stuff. You see, the why of the gospel is love, isn't it? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That's the why. Why, why. why God? Love. And so it affects how. Look at how it was done. Look at the life of Christ. What is that? Love. Why? Because the why is love. Why dictates the how. The why of the Christian life is what? Love. So how? Love. It affects the way it affects your pace. It affects your tone. It affects your approach. It affects everything. So I want to speak into burnout for a moment. Just for speaking to burnout. You guys, you're terrible. <laughs> you need some help? Let me tell you a story about the Liston, the last year of the Liston family holidays. <laughs> so, no. This is a diverse enough story. I'll share in the detail. So we had a great holiday in August 2010. August 20th. again. Some friends of ours, Danny um, Bay, own a villa in Corsica. I said, go and visit. Yay! So, obviously, the Bengals just recovered from the cancer then, so we were all a bit wiped out. So, we had a great little bit of lovely time. Came back, and then we normally try and get away and just get a few days, maybe five, seven days away around Easter time, you know, just sort of put heads up, a bit of a breather. No money. What's that? I'm have a staycation. I've heard about those. They're great. <laughs> a staycation. Nightmare. Just didn't work out. It just, it just wasn't, you know, wasn't great at all. Not to worry. The summer's coming. <coughs> so, uh, so we got, we managed to get a week down in Devon. So we was, we was, we was excited about that. We got down in Devon. Weather was pretty good. On day five, I lose the key to the car that we borrowed. Here's the key. On a 20 metre walk from the car to the caravan, the key's gone. She's not there anymore. Now, we both being clever thought we'd not take our phone. We're just going to do the night phone thing. It's holiday. Right? We've got thumbs up. We've got no key in our phone. Um, we took a laptop. No internet. No internet, our phones, no key. So I spend the last two days of holiday at reception, trying to wait for phone calls from the people on the car to can you get spare? No, can't get spare. It was an absolute nightmare. Came back in a worse state. Anyway, drove back, dishevelled, stressed out, anyway. Now, when that happens, something's got to give. Something's got to give. You might be a really good holiday. 
Oh, God's just got to do something. Um, no money's in the piggy bank, right? So it's option two. God's just got to do something. And God has done some incredible, incredible things in us. And he's really, through that whole journey, where at times you just thought, flippy do, man, we're pouring our lives out here, tired, worn out, just, just want to break. And you just worn out, and you you like you come back and you're like, I don't want to do that. Anymore. And I think what what God has done through it, He's done a number of things. He's demonstrated that very often when you think you need a break, what you actually need is a breakthrough. And you're looking to some kind of break to kind of fix something that it can't fix. If your pace is wrong. A holiday will do this for you. It will recharge your batteries so you can carry them running at a long pace for a while. That's all it does. Worst ways, it can just become avoidance. There are issues, there are things going on in the way you are actually motivated for life and the decisions you're making, the choices, the priorities that you have, your values, these things, and you're not addressing them, and you think 10 days in our is going to sort it out, and it won't. It won't. God, in his mercy, is a beautiful, wonderful father. As a beautiful parent. Every now and then will just gently corner you. And you'll lose your car key. And you'll have a rubbish staycation and he'll get you in your corner. And he'll say, right. And you're like, yeah. And I just want to say to you guys, if you can learn some of these lessons when you're a bit younger, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And it's not about, I'm not saying, don't do anything. You know, you've got to work for a living. You've got to pay your rent. You've got to do, I, I get it. You're not part of a church that's kind of like half-hearted. I get it. Okay? You've got other hopes and dreams and aspirations. I get it. But ultimately, God has called you to a life of love. And love must mean time. It must mean, it must mean that it must Love must mean that you, you are in his presence, you know, and that you just learn to rely on his love and know his love over your life, and the prayer doesn't just become a shopping list, that you know the delight of God over your life. And I've said this a few times, and I'll say it again, because I feel there's something in it. You've got to understand, it's, it's a tragedy, there's so many, so many Christians try and parent themselves, and it's tragic. You don't have to. You really don't have to. He is the perfect father. Yeah. He will follow you. He will lead you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. You haven't got to ultimately protect yourself, provide for yourself, or lead for yourself. You've got to take responsibility, absolutely. But ultimately, it's his responsibility to care for you, and he will. He will. And he will open doors that no man can shut. He will. And he will give you extraordinary favour. Let me tell you a story I heard recently of extra such extraordinary favour. It will help those of you that are really trying to say, God, what's the way through? Someone I know, that, someone I've heard about, I don't know, it's kind of a friend of a friend or whatever. God's, he's from Jersey, the Channel Island. God spoke to him years ago about you're going to do loads of work with orphans. Okay, fine. Wait, what God promises, God fulfills. Okay? It's not that you're passive, you have to pray into it, but what God promises, he fulfills. In the right time and in the right way. He ends up in China where they've got massive, massive problem in terms of the orphans. Obviously because of the whole policy of one child and all of that stuff that's going on. 
So there's a massive problem. Over time, God elevates him, this Western born-again believer, elevates him to the point where the Chinese government asks him to coordinate all care for orphans over the whole nation. Wow. <laughs> okay? So the guy in charge of looking after the orphans and all the orphanages in China is a born-again believer. Okay? So that's an amazing story of how God, of how God kind of raises up. But it's just another funny little story that I heard that just made me laugh. I thought, this is the funniest thing. Richard Branson, a few years ago, approaches the Chinese government before his flights are going there. He says, I want to be able to bring virgin planes in and out of China. That's what I want to do. They said to him this, because Chinese culture is, is, is very relational. It's very much about who you know and all of that. They said to him, only if the, uh, you give Rob Glover, is the name of this guy from Jersey, only if you give Rob Glover and his family free virgin flights for the rest of their life whenever they want. How funny is that? Can you believe it? The Chinese government said that to Richard Branson. Only if you give Rob Glover and his family free virgin flights for the rest of his life. Now, actually, you look at it, you think, what is that? <laughs> what on earth? You know, there's no scripture for that. Or you can't lay hold of God. You can't lay hold of God for that. You've got to say, God, you said it. He didn't. Right? <laughs> Alright, so don't go on that. Right? So what, but what is it? It's the favour of God. It's the favour of God. It's the favour of God over a guy who's been faithful and just humbly walked before God. He's just humble. God has raised him up and then just thrown in this crazy, abundant favor. Why? He's like that. Yeah. He's a very generous father. Yeah. He's like that. Why don't we trust him? Mm. Why don't we trust him? It's so. He said, well, why, why, why? Love. The love of God. It's the love of God. And I just kind of want to wrap things up by just referring to a few um, scriptures. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble enough. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your souls. There's not one person in the room when I said that that didn't go, oh. <laughs> oh. Don't you need more than a holiday? You need rest in the soul. Jesus, come to me. Stay there. Get <coughs> in and out. Come to me. Stay there. I was trying to be like Daniel. It's only one and a half by heart. I'm going to read the other one. Always puts me under so much pressure. Three years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? One, two, three, thirteen. If I speak in the languages of men and angels that have not love, I'm a noisy god or a plain singer. If I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains that have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver my, my body to be burned, martyrdom, but I have not love, no. Love is patient and kind. Hold on a minute, this guy was moving mountains a minute ago. He's, there's nothing but, what, love is patient and kind, that's not very dramatic. Oh, right through. Love is patient and kind. Doesn't envy or boast. 
not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Just meditate on some of these over the next couple of weeks, guys, over this Christmas break. Meditate on these. John 15, verse 9 to 10. As the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. How much has the Father loved Jesus? Right? As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do what he says. Sometimes past, you know, when you pass me, you think, just do what he says. Sometimes I look in the mirror and think, just do what he says. Do what he says, because I love him. And you'll abide his love as you do what he says. Beautiful, it's simple. June 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself, keep yourself under the waterfall of his love. Keep yourself mindful of his affections over you. Keep yourself centered on the gospel. Oh man, he who did not spare his only son but gave him up for us all. Keep yourself there. Because his love, his, the, the passion that drew him, drove him to give his son is the same today as it was then. It's not weary or tired. Keep yourself in the love of God. And then finally, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I just, I, you know, my prayer is over this next year that we're going to really get this. I, I want to get this more and more, and that we would get this, because, you know, perfect love drives out fear. And to be honest, I see a lot of, a lot of fearful Christians. Because, you know, this love thing has really dealt Dealt blow to my fear. I'm actually a shy person. I know it sounds crazy. I'm a lot more comfortable doing this than I am chatting one on one. Just naturally uh, can, can be quite fearful of that. I think I've kind of got into this thing in my life. That's just kind of the way it is. And God's just trying to highlight this because I have a fear. Just afraid of all kinds of nonsense. And this perfect love, I've just found, man, I'm like, I've had more brilliant conversations with people. Everyone from my wife. <laughs> to the dad in the playground in the last five weeks than I have for years. Mm. And I like, I like, I really love being around people now. So I've got to think, well, well, I'm an introvert, you know, got to that thing. And I, I, do, I do like a bit of headspace, I do. It's, it's, you know, I'm happy in my own company, some people aren't, I, I am. But I also find there are elements to it which are just like, you're just, you're just anxious and afraid. That's why I'm not being alone, because you're not anxious anymore. No one's been anxious. There's nothing that's Washing that away. It's washing that away. It's really cool. Really, really good. And I just think, you know, this isn't anything new. This is just what the gospel does. It's not what the gospel does. It just washes out all the nonsense, all the hate and the fear and the anxiety and all that stuff that we kind of just assume, oh, okay, maybe I've just got to live with that because, you know, maybe you just do. And I think, I wonder if God's about a work of transformation in us. That is even way beyond what we might have hoped. You know, um, and I'm an old guy. God's really changing me. So, you know, you've got a lot. Live my 